Hi guys, this episode's going to be a little different from the previous 35 we've already done. It's actually more like an audiobook reading than a podcast episode. That's why we're calling it a bonus episode. In this bonus episode, you'll hear our reading of the report released by Farmers for Climate Solutions on August 19th of 2020. The report outlines five recommendations for both COVID-19 recovery in the egg sector and climate resilience in the sector. If you want to read the report yourself, go to farmersforclimatesolutions.ca slash policy solutions. If you don't have time to read the report, but you do have some tractor time or a long drive ahead of you, well, Rural Roots to Climate Solutions made this episode just for you. My basic idea with this episode, and the idea hit me just a few days ago, so what are we at? I think today's Thursday, and maybe it was around Monday I was thinking about this. I thought, you know, we have this podcast platform, and it's just such an easy way to take in information for listeners, or at least that's what we think. And the report that Farmers for Climate Solutions put together, it's not like it's super long, but, you know, it's long enough, and it's a busy time of year for most agriculture producers. doesn't matter if you're in Alberta, BC, PEI. So I thought what we could do here is I'll just read the report and then you could listen to it and absorb that information on your own when you have time for something like this. I'm going to warn you, uh, reading out loud is something that terrified me as a child. I used to do this thing when I was six or seven. Anytime the teacher tried to make me read out loud, I would just start fake coughing and then she'd move on to the next person. So reading from a document, uh, especially if I'm only going to do this in one take, because it's probably all the time I have for today, uh, it's a little nerve-wracking, but I'm fairly familiar with the material, so I think we'll be okay. So I'm just going to, I got the report in front of me, you can probably hear the paper right there, got my coffee, got my water, so I'm good to go. Um, I'll just go through it page by page, but we're actually going to start things off at the end to let you, or give you a better idea of who actually put the report together. water here gotta watch out for dry mouth when you do these things it's the killer of every podcast episode it's also the first podcast episode where i'm letting myself drink coffee at the same time which is not helpful when it comes to dry mouth about farmers for climate solutions launched on february 11th 2020 Farmers for Climate Solutions is an unprecedented collaboration of Canada's most progressive farming organizations with the ultimate goal to advance climate solutions in agricultural policy. Farmers for Climate Solutions has three main objectives. One, to position farmers as leading voices calling for climate solutions in agriculture. Two, to build a strong constituency of non-farming Canadians who support their vision. And three, to engage decision makers to adopt policy in agriculture that help Canada meet its climate targets. Farmers are ready to lead, but they need support. 
Farmers for Climate Solutions will provide a platform for farmers to share stories about climate impacts and solutions, engage Canadians to support their vision, and advance programs, policies, and practices that are good for agriculture, for all people, and for the planet. There is no one-size-fits-all approach to farming in Canada, nor is there a one-size-fits-all approach to climate solutions. A sector-wide approach is essential. Farmers for Climate Solutions represent all regions, scales, and types of farming. Our strong provincial and national representation is particularly important considering the diversity of the sector, and that agriculture policy is co-negotiated between provincial, territorial, and federal governments. So the current members of Farmers for Climate Solutions include Atlantic Canada Organic Regional Network, Canadian Organic Growers, Canadian Forage and Grasslands Association, uh, this one's in French, so I'll do my best, uh, Cooperative de Agriculture de Proximité Ecologique, oh, I'm pretty sure I butchered that one, I'm very sorry to that organization, Ecological Farmers Association of Ontario, Ecological Action Centre, Ecatea, Farm Folk City Folk, National Farmers Union, Organic Council of Ontario, Regeneration Canada, Rural Roots to Climate Solutions, Sask Organics, Seed Change, and Young Agrarians. We'll take things from the top. The title of the report is A Better Future Starts on the Farm, Recommendations for Recovery from COVID-19 in Canadian Agriculture, and it's dated August 2020. The COVID-19 pandemic has shone a spotlight on our food system. Headlines have captured vulnerabilities and raised alarm bells among Canadians. Outbreaks at beef packing plants and bottlenecks in the meat supply chain. Dairy farmers dumping milk. Canadian potatoes deteriorating in storehouses and contracts cut on the eve of a new season. Ongoing farm labor shortages exacerbated by border closures farm workers falling ill, and even dying. The government's response to date has been rapid and commendable, but has mostly focused on temporary deferral of debt repayments or increased access to credit. This may provide short-term relief, but ultimately worsens the debt problem in agriculture, with total farm debt in Canada currently sitting at $115 billion after having nearly doubled in the past two decades. A recent survey by the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses reveals that 48% of farmers worry about the indebtedness of their business, while 40% are concerned that the new normal will threaten the sustainability of their businesses. Farm debt is not the only rising trend in Canadian agriculture. Greenhouse gas emissions are projected to increase over the next decade, already up 22% over the last 28 years. And our farmers are on the front lines of increasing impacts from climate change. According to the United Nations Emissions Gap Report 2019, the world is on track to warm by 3.2 degrees Celsius this century. This projection takes into account all current policies and emission reduction commitments, including those made in Paris, where Canada committed to reducing emissions by 30% by 2030. 
3.2 degree rise will create major uncertainties for Canadian farmers. But the reality may be even worse. Higher latitudes and continental interiors, such as the Canadian prairies, are warming at twice the global rate. The path we are on would have most of Canada's food-producing lands warm by 6.4 degrees Celsius this century, nearly 1 degree per decade. This must be the subtext for Canada's COVID-19 recovery efforts in agriculture. The past several months of the pandemic have revealed long, hidden problems, but much larger risks loom. The biggest impacts threaten to arrive quickly unless we change course. COVID-19 recovery is an opportunity to create change in a sector that has seriously lagged in its climate response. Now is the time to support farmers to adopt low-emission, high-resilience approaches that benefit farmers and provide ecological goods and services such as clean water, air, biodiversity, and renewable energy from which all Canadians benefit. So on page two, we have the five recommendations. Uh, The heading here is farmers want help in building climate resilience. Farmers also want to lead. Farmers for Climate Solutions, or FCS for short, is a rapidly growing farmer-led coalition driven by an aim to lower agriculture emissions, increase resilience, and increase net farm incomes, as well as supporting and revitalizing rural economies and communities. Leading farmers in Canada are ready to set an example with tried and tested climate resilient practices that are ready to scale. In the context of green recovery from COVID-19, Farmers for Climate Solutions recommends the following five priorities. So recommendation number one, encourage on-farm renewable energy generation, fuel switching, and building retrofits. Farmers can help propel Canada toward a green energy transition. This investment supports new revenue generation and savings for farmers and creates new rural green jobs. I never do say rural properly, do they? It's rural. Recommendation number two, scale up agri-environmental incentives. Stimulate a transition toward lower emission highly resilient agriculture with more capital for farmers to adopt new approaches. Number three, invest in agri-environmental agrology services, especially through farmer-to-farmer training, demonstrations, and mentorship. Spread climate-resilient practices from field-to-field-to-field by empowering farmer leaders to be role models and teachers in their communities. Number four, Adapt risk management programs to encourage risk-reducing practices. Adding bonus structures to risk management programs is an innovative way to offer savings and extra capital to farmers while building resilience. Number five, support for young and new farmers. The future of our food and its ecological footprint depends on youth and new entrants. Encourage young and new farmers to enter and thrive in the sector. And the rest of the report outlines those five recommendations. So we're going to go into recommendation number one right now. Encourage on-farm renewable energy generation, fuel switching, and building retrofits. 
14% of Canada's agriculture emissions are derived from on-farm fuel and electricity use. The carbon price, as well as multiple other public supports, for example, EV and renewable energy subsidies, encourage a transition to renewables in Canada. The agriculture sector is exempt from carbon pricing in many ways, and support for fuel switching and on-farm renewable energy generation is piecemeal. The pace of energy transition in agriculture is slow. The pandemic has tightened margins and heightened risks for Canadian farmers, which has led to calls to increase sector exemptions from the carbon price. However, the immediate contacts of COVID-19 should not sideline efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and meet climate commitments. Encourage widespread transition to on-farm renewable energy generation, fuel switching through adoption of battery electric farm equipment and farm building retrofits that was the recommendation there uh, this would reduce sector emissions while improving farmer and rural livelihoods by generating green jobs in rural communities in the installation of renewable energy systems and creating savings and potentially new revenue streams for farmers in the long term Okay, so this point that goes into explaining or talking about on-farm renewable energy generation, and there's this great photo of a dairy barn in Farintosh that has about 144 solar panels on it. With large land areas, farmers are well-placed to consider renewable energy generation as a source of revenue. COVID-19 recovery presents an opportunity and an imperative to propel this transition. Just over 10,000 farms in Canada have already adopted some form of renewable energy generation as of the last Canadian census, so 2016. This is about 4% of farms. On-farm renewable energy generation projects are federally supported under the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, or CAP, but only two provinces, British Columbia and New Brunswick, offer programs. In the first year of CAP, only one farm in New Brunswick made use of this program. These programs are piecemeal and uptake has been low. The green recovery from COVID-19 in agriculture could consider investments that encourage adoption of renewable energy technology through awareness campaigns delivered by farmer-to-farmer demonstrations and further financing of the installation of on-farm renewable energy systems. Okay, next paragraph goes on to talk about fuel switching and the adoption of battery-powered machinery. While some leading-edge Canadian farmers have purchased battery-powered tractors and solar photovoltaic arrays to charge them, there exist very few options for farmers who want to replace fossil fuels in tractors and other machinery. That said, the few battery electric tractors that are available are highlighting the significant advantages of more widespread adoption. One Ontario farmer, and I'm assuming they're talking about Tony Neal, uh, who is in southern Ontario, not too far away from a place called Uxbridge, one Ontario farmer who purchased a tractor with the equivalent of 40 horsepower reports that they retail for... Sorry, I need to turn the page here. 
that they retail that they retail for a price comparable to a new diesel tractor have a runtime of five to eight hours on a charge and reduce operating costs significantly. California is taking significant strides to increase uptake. Because of the pressing timelines for emission reductions and lagging availability of low emission tractors and machinery, several policies are needed, including government-funded research and development efforts in collaboration with Canadian tractor and machinery makers and agencies, such as the Prairie Agriculture Machinery Institute, or PAMI. I've actually never heard of these guys. I should look them up. Uh, Also, uh, incentives for early adopters, programs to increase awareness of the benefits of battery electric machinery, and production and sales mandates requiring that some minimum percentage of new tractors be sold as battery electric by a certain date. Uh, Next section is about energy efficiency upgrades. Innovative farmers are advancing building retrofits. For example, David Webb of Egg Farmers of Alberta constructed Canada's first net zero chicken barn as featured in the video by the Prairie Climate Centre, a Farmers for Climate Solutions partner. This building offers energy savings and acts as a demonstration barn to showcase the potential economic and environmental benefits of energy efficiency and energy saving building retrofits. CAP offers some support for energy efficiency upgrades and farm buildings prioritized within a national retrofit program. Gonna have to do a field day at this uh, chicken barn. So if anybody wants to like dig further into these recommendations at the end of each section, so at the end of each recommendation or explanation for each recommendation, there's a bunch of citations, so a bunch of references. It shows you where they got the information from. Alrighty, moving on to recommendation number two, which is scale up investments in agri-ecological incentives. The long-term trend in Canadian agriculture has been decreasing biodiversity in soils and cropping systems across the rural landscape and a steady increase of greenhouse gas emissions. While progress on agri-environmental indicators, I said it better that time, has been mixed across Canada, many regions are seeing persistent or increasing, increasing nutrient runoff, loss of wetlands, Soil erosion, degre- found a new word I can't pronounce, degradation of local ecosystems, and a loss of soil organic matter. Meanwhile, farm debt has doubled in the past two decades, and farm margins are tight, in some cases exacerbated as a result of COVID-19. There is a need to increase the environmental performance of the sector, even in these difficult times but this cannot be done without the right support for farmers. There's also an urgent need to build resilience in the face of future economic and ecological shocks. There is ample evidence from Canada and other jurisdictions that increasing biodiversity, improving soil health, and fostering healthy ecosystems on farms can reduce greenhouse gas emissions, increase carbon sequestration, and improve farmer livelihoods by decreasing the need for purchase inputs and increasing resilience 
during extreme weather events. Oh, by the way, I, I don't know if this is helpful or not, but we're on page seven right now. By scaling up agri-environmental incentives, the green recovery from COVID-19 can help to create new jobs in agriculture and associated services and provide capital to farmers during a time of tight margins while building resilience to climate impacts. Agri-environmental incentives in Canada are currently delivered through cost-shared programs and market-based structures, but they have been modest in scale and inconsistent across the country. They have not yet been sufficient to stimulate behavior change that significantly, sig <laughs> that significantly reduces emissions, increases carbon sequestration, and improves environmental performance across the sector. However, there are a large number of Canadian farmers who are successfully adopting agri-environmental practices on their farms with great results. With strong incentives, adoption rates of these practices can scale. Okay, the next subheading here, so the subheading here is agri-environmental incentives are not just good for farmers, they enhance environmental goods and services, benefiting all Canadians. Numerous peer-reviewed studies have shown that investments in agri-environmental incentives can increase farm income and reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Researchers in the United States found that simply switching from a two-year rotation of corn and soybeans to a four-year rotation that included a small grain and a cover crop reduced fossil fuel energy use by 50%, nitrate runoff by 30 to 57 percent, herbicide use by 25 to 51 percent, and soil erosion losses by up to 60 percent, while increasing yields and improving soil health. Adaptive multi-paddock grazing or holistic grazing practices have been shown to decrease overall greenhouse gas emissions per kilogram of finished weight in cattle by over 30%. And grazing cattle exclusively on permanent pasture can sequester carbon and significantly reduce total emissions. I've discovered I have trouble saying the word significantly. Who would have thought? <clears throat> anyway. In 2019, the Ecological Farmers of Ontario supported four vegetable farms to conduct randomized trials of reduced tillage techniques that showed a dramatic reduction in labor required for weeding, increased yields, and a shorter time from sowing to harvest. The Canadian Organic Growers have gathered data from their members that shows substantial savings for for farmers from reduced input costs resulting from the adoption of agro that's another one I'm gonna have fun with of agroecological practices such as cover cropping and diversified rotations. With many ecological indicators moving in the wrong direction and unprecedented financial pressure on Canadian farmers, now is the time to incentivize agroecological practices that will reduce inputs, reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and increase profitability for farmers. It is difficult to see how the agriculture sector can remain viable 
in the long term without a sustained focus on increasing resilience and profitability. Investing in practices that improve soil health and increase biodiversity is a cost-effective way to achieve these goals while contributing to Canada's overall commitment to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Okay, moving on to recommendation number three, uh, which is, sorry, I don't know what happened there. Uh, Recommendation number three, invest in agri-environmental, let's try that again. Recommendation number three, invest in agri-environmental agrology services, especially through farmer-to-farmer training, demonstrations, and mentorship. One of the most significant barriers farmers face in transitioning to climate-resilient practices is a lack of knowledge of what to do and how to do it, what it will cost, and a lack of support throughout implementation. Knowledge sharing on-farm demonstration and mentorship help farmers build confidence and increase likelihood of success. Behavioral economics research shows that farmers are more likely to adopt new practices if information comes from a trusted source. Until the 1980s, agrology services in Canada were publicly delivered, but they have been largely defunded leaving a void now predominantly filled by private industry. These seed, crop, and input advisors have private interests and often benefit personally from bonus structures linked to sales. Services offered and information shared tends to be biased towards practices that favor their products. At a much smaller scale, farmer-led agriculture stakeholders offer farmer-to-farmer training, demonstration and mentorship services these programs are some of the only sources of information and follow up on climate resilient practices in canada building public agrology services specific to climate resilient agriculture is a longer term need in the short term There is good potential to scale up existing local regional programs that compensate innovative and climate resilient farmers for their leadership as trainers and mentors in their community. Many members of Farmers for Climate Solutions offer farmer to farmer training, demonstrations and mentorship with impressive outcomes. For example, Young Agrarians, an educational resource network for new and young, ecological, organic, and regenerative farmers, runs the BC Business Mentorship Network that compensates mentor farmers for working with new entrants to transfer knowledge during startup. Over six years, this program has demonstrated a 43% increase in land production, 50% more revenues generated, and 66% more food produced. The Bauda Family Initiative on Canadian Seed Security, a program of seed change, offers training for farmers to enhance biodiversity conservation and adapt crops to a changing climate and ecological practices. The Canadian Organic Growers runs numerous farmer education programs, including a current three-year transition project in Southern Ontario, 
that provides advisory services and training for 25 conventional farms per year to adopt more climate resilient practices and transition to organic production. Quebec's club, and it's another one where my bad pronunciation of French is not going to help, but uh, Quebec's club Consul en Agro-Environnement uh, are, sorry, I can't, I can't stop laughing at my pronunciation. So that club I mentioned in Quebec are voluntary groupings of producers that exchange information and informal, informal mentorship on environmental and climate resilient practices. These examples from across the country show the presence of existing structures with proven outcomes. Program delivery could be scaled up quickly with an infusion of investment. COVID-19 recovery investments in farmer-to-farmer training, demonstrations, and mentorship would, and these are just bullet points, one, directly compensate farmers, offering mentorship, training, and demonstration of climate-resilient practices. This means money for Canadian farmers who are charting the course for the future of our agriculture sector. Two, train more farmers to be leaders in their communities. Farmers are trusted messengers for farmers. And we need farmer demonstrators and mentors in all communities to fuel the transition. Three, inspire community building through knowledge sharing across the country. This is particularly important to combat rising mental health challenges in farming communities. And lastly, four, build social networks in rural communities during particularly challenging times of isolation. This COVID-19 recovery investment honors the knowledge and experience of Canadian farmers who have taken risks as early adopters, who are ready to set an example and share the benefits and opportunities of highly resilient, low greenhouse gas emissions agriculture. Based on Farmers for Climate Solutions member data on farmer-to-farmer training, demonstration, and membership program outcomes, there is a real potential for climate resilient practices to spread from field to field to field with new and scaled up investment now. All right, folks, we're on page 12 right now. Ah, there's a photo that Goldie Peterson from Young Agrarians took for this one, a photo out of a farm out in New Brunswick. Recommendation number four is adapt risk management programs to encourage risk-reducing practices. Canada's business risk management programs provide critical income support for farmers and are designed to protect farmers when they suffer unexpected risks from changes in the market, weather events, or natural disasters. The sudden changes to supply chains and health and safety procedures caused by COVID-19 accentuate the underlying vulnerabilities and risks in our food system, and several provinces reacted quickly to adjust the implementation of BRM programs to meet needs. One of Canada's lead scholars on BRM explains that the COVID-19 pandemic is adding fodder to an ongoing government review of the BRM programs. These expensive programs should not be overlooked in the context of COVID-19 recovery. COVID-19 impacts are not the only risks farmers are facing this year. Alberta farmers were faced with a severe hailstorm in June. 
Quebec is experiencing the hottest and driest summer on record, and Farmers for Climate Solutions partner, so the Prairie Climate Center, and Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's data show that climate risks such as more severe and more frequent floods, droughts, and extreme weather events are increasing. So the uh, subheading here is risk management programs under review. While we may not be able to predict changes of sudden pandemics like COVID-19, we can predict climate risks. Our risk management programs must be adapted to respond to these increasing risks. From a climate perspective, low-risk agriculture is not only resilient to climate impacts, but is also committed to reducing emissions. Encouraging the former, so adaption to climate impacts, is evidently associated with reduced risk. The latter, so reducing emissions, is perhaps less so. However, Canada's agriculture sector is currently projected to increase emissions over the next decade, which is not viable in the face of increasing supply chain pressure and national and international emission reduction targets. It is therefore high risk if it doesn't shift course. Okay, so the heading here is crop insurance discounts are bonus structures that benefit farmers and increase resilience. Farmers in Iowa who plant a cover crop in the previous year receive $5 per acre off their crop insurance premiums. Cover cropping is a practice known to improve soil health, reduce emissions, and increase resilience. The crop insurance discounts motivate resilience building behavior change and offer savings to farmers. The Agricultural Resilience Act is a bill before the U.S. Congress that would legislate crop insurance discounts for practices that reduce risks. Prince Edward Island also has a long history of using crop insurance discounts to incentivize changes in practices for environmental reasons. This has led to widespread adoption and is well-liked by producers and is seen as a powerful policy tool to motivate change. Canada can draw on these models to adapt the delivery of agri-insurance to encourage the adoption of resilience-building, low-risk practices on farms. This would benefit farmers by reducing annual expenses, minimizing the pressure of tight margins now and into the future. These kinds of bonus structures would not impede any farmers from participating in risk management programs, but farmers that reduced risks and built resilience would be rewarded. The time for change is now. Financial institutions and insurance companies in most other sectors are increasingly accounting for climate risks in investments and premium prices. In order to fuel the transition to a stable and sustainable economy while remaining financially viable, risk and uncertainty are front of mind in agriculture now more than ever. The COVID-19 recovery has a responsibility to address longer-term, underlying, and increasing vulnerabilities in support of farmer livelihoods. 
Okay, we're on recommendation number five right now, support young and new farmers. That's page 15, and there's a great photo of Don, or great photo of Dong Gianni, who's a farmer in Olds, Alberta. COVID-19 quickly exposed some of the demographic, labor, and employment vulnerabilities of our food system. Canadian farmers depend increasingly on temporary foreign workers who have to cross multiple borders to work in Canada. Getting these workers to Canada and ensuring safe working conditions while minimizing the spread of the virus has been fraught with difficulties. The need for farm labor was so strong that Canada launched a recruitment campaign. Yet still, tens of thousands of jobs in the farm sector go unfilled even in a regular year. These labor challenges in the context of COVID-19 overlay already concerning demographic trends in the agriculture sector. For example, the average age of the Canadian farmer is 55 years old and less than 10% of farmers have a succession plan. There are more farmers over the age of 70 than there are under the age of 35. Canada risks not having a next generation of farmers unless careful attention is paid to young and new farmers, many of whom want to join the sector but face significant barriers to entry and to staying in business. Young farmers and new entrants tend to farm in a more diversified and ecological ways, in part because they've grown up with climate change and understand that the status quo is no longer viable. Many are not only inspired to join the sector to produce food for communities, but are also motivated by their career choice for its potential to provide environmental goods and services and stewardship of soil and water. While somewhat regionally differentiated, new and young farmers currently experience significant barriers. These barriers include access to land, limited on-farm training and mentorship opportunities, and business planning for diversified operations, as opposed to single crop production, for example. Approximately 68% of new entrants are coming from non-farming backgrounds, which means they do not have access to inherited land and know-how from their parents. Young and new entrants also face barriers accessing public support programs. For example, Many cost-share programs are inaccessible to many new and young farmers because they cannot leverage the capital necessary to access matching public funding. These programs are often offered to help strengthen environmental performance and build climate resilience, which are both critical tenets of the future of farming in Canada. Given that the first five years set the foundation for farm management and that they are also the most challenging to survive, public support programs must adapt to ensure that they meet the needs of this demographic. Uh, In the uh, little text info box, uh, just a bit of interesting information about Quebec. Since 2013, Quebec has implemented the most comprehensive strategy in Canada targeted to new and young farmers. It includes a suite of grants for aspiring farmers to help overcome startup financial barriers, as well as other training and mentorship support. 
As a result, Quebec has the youngest farm population in Canada. So the section on support for new and young farmers continues on the following page. And on that following page, you got a great photo of Blake Hall at um, when he was still at uh, Tamara Ranch in Red Deer County. The last agriculture census in 2016 shares good news. New and young farmers are slowly starting to represent an increasing proportion of the farming sector in Canada. But this demographic is still far too underrepresented. And the COVID-19 pandemic has exposed such significant demographic and labor concerns that sector renewal and employment requires a targeted focus. The green recovery from COVID-19 can help to propel the future of the sector with tailored supportive conditions for young and new farmers to succeed and thrive. Rural Roots to Climate Solutions is an Alberta-based project empowering agriculture producers and the communities they live in with climate solutions. Rural Roots to Climate Solutions runs webinars, farm field days, and workshops. Uh, we host a farmer's blog. Of course, we have this podcast. And we also work with communities in rural Alberta to help them develop their own community renewable energy projects. For more information about us and what we do, just go to the website, which is www.rr2cs.ca. The Rural Roots to Climate Solutions team is Deandra Brucehead in Kainai First Nation, Jennifer Ford in Peace River, Marie Galanka in Athabasca, and myself, Derek Leahy in Red Deer. Yes, I realize I move around a lot. This particular episode was recorded in Red Deer, so that means this episode was recorded on Treaty 7 lands and in Métis Region 3. Happy farming wherever you are in Alberta, and remember, what's good for the farm is usually good for the climate.